You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You're listening to the Liz in Detroit show, talking real estate in the metro Detroit area. The Imagine Theater's first ever video game night takes place on November 16th at the Imagine Theater in Royal Oak. Hosted by Activate's own Bailey Ray, you can play against friends and enemies in the newest sports games on the hottest systems. Get your hands on the latest in virtual reality or enjoy retro living rooms with the systems to match. Drink and food specials including an all-you-can-eat taco and nacho bar as well as door prizes and giveaways all night. Space is limited, so go to ActivateGaming.com Imagine to reserve your spot today. That's A-C-T-I-V, the number 8, Gaming.com Imagine. Once again, welcome to the show, Liz in Detroit show. It's November 16th. I survived a week after the election, barely. Um, I'm very happy to bring in some very positive um, information today for the um, podcast. Um, A person I've been trying to get on the show for several months now um, finally made some time in our schedule. Um, Andrea Savanti of Savanti Restoration is here with us today to talk about some amazing things that she has been doing um, in the world of restoration throughout Metro Detroit um, and making homes that people are looking to rehab that much better and stronger and more beautiful. Um, So thank you, Andrea, for being with us today. Again, if you need to reach me, you can always do so through my Facebook, Liz in Detroit, um, my Twitter feed, Liz in Detroit, as well as my website, www.lizindetroit.com. So once again, thank you for joining us for the show today. So Andrea, I am so glad once again that you made the show today. And um, I don't know how many people out there kind of know the businesses that are actually really thriving right now in the um, business of restoration, Um, as we're seeing many homes in historic neighborhoods and in abound um, being sold and refurbished. uh, A lot of your work is making that all possible. So um, I want people to know kind of like how you got started. So give us a little story about how you got involved in um, and what you're doing today. Sure, sure. And thank you for having me. I got started in the hands-on building trades about almost 10 years ago. So I was studying historic preservation in college, and I was in my final semester. (laughs) And I happened to take this one-day window restoration workshop. It was put on by a local preservation group. And in hindsight, it really was a major life changer for me. Mm -hmm. And it really opened my eyes to the possibilities in the field of historic preservation as a career mm-hmm. beyond what most of us in that field see as an academic line of work. Sure. 
And I was really surprised that I liked working with my hands and found that I could do it. And I seemed like I could do it pretty well. Mm-hmm. So you know, after graduating, I kept pursuing windows mm-hmm. instead of, say, a master's degree like a lot of us are encouraged to do. Sure. So I quickly was looking around for more training, which, as most of us know, really isn't a lot around for Outside hands-on, hands-on training. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. So I found a program that is in Southeast Ohio, and I enrolled there in their Building Preservation Trades program. Mm -hmm. So in that program, I learned just so many things. And they really show you from the top to the bottom of a building how to work on and fix historic buildings. So that ranges from the roof to the foundation and everything in the middle. So of Mm -hmm. course, there's windows and doors, stained glass, Mm -hmm. but also plaster, decorative painting, carpentry, masonry, Mm -hmm. and to give you a well-balanced view of, you know, what's what's going on with this building. Like creating that whole picture, you know, of what it all means, like disassembled and how you bring it all back together. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So in leaving that program after I graduated there, mm-hmm. I was just so excited to come back home and apply what I'd learned and get started on something. So That was in 2008. Wow. And as we know now, that was the beginning of kind of a rocky road for for a lot of us as the Great Recession set in. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't easy, but it was worth it to to stick with it. And at that point, I apprenticed for about four years Mm -hmm. and held some odd jobs in the meantime. Sure. But um, like I said, it was worth it. And then I continued on and grew my own business which has always been based in Detroit. Great. And right now I have about three to five people, and I have plans to expand my shop. That's fantastic. Well. What was the, um, was there a one project or, you know, one um, assignment that you were working on that kind of spurred, you know, the momentum in your business? Like how did people come around to find you? Um, and, you know, meet you for the skills that you had and really value what you had to do and, again, pay you accordingly for that work? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I've, I've asked myself that, too. <laughs> um, it, it was definitely very slow to start. Mm-hmm. And early on, somebody had said to me, once you get busy, you'll stay busy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And I really think it was just... You know, maybe not one project in particular, mm-hmm. but being connected with the community and preservation groups that really got me around to meet people sure. and let them know what I'm all about. Good. Um, if people are looking to find you, you know, you said you mentioned that you're involved with other historic, um, hist- historic designated um, companies, organizations, and I believe probably communities, too. Um, name some of those where, you know, where you've worked on various projects, whether it be communities or, you know. Sure, sure. So as I said, you know, the training availability of mm-hmm. of that for people is so minimal that I've really tried to pay it forward as much as I can. So I've done over the years several local and national workshops and demonstrations, and that ranges from uh, the Michigan Historic Preservation Network, mm-hmm. Preservation Detroit, mm-hmm. Um 
Ohio Heritage mm-hmm. and the Preservation Trades Network, which is a national group. So if people are looking for specific skills, they're going to look to one of those organizations and kind of look you up for your specific skill. That's a good place to start. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, th- I believe I saw some of your information also on some of the historic um, neighborhood sites like Boston Edison and Indian Village. So do you find when people are looking for resources, that's also how they get a hold of you? Or is it literally through word of mouth from people who know you and they, hey, hey this person's moving in this house and I know they're going to need work on their windows kind of thing? I'd say it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. The, the internet has really opened up the world of you know, getting connected in that way. Mm-hmm. So I do get quite a bit of incoming calls from local pages like Boston Edison and also through referrals. Sure. Yeah. Have you ever, as you said, you, you're doing lots of workshops. So you're teaching actually homeowners to do this very thing, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And how, how often do you give those kind of workshops? This year I've done three. Okay. And I will be at Noel Night at nice. Preservation Detroit coming up soon. So if you're going to be around, please stop by and, and say hello. We'll be at the McKenzie House. Fantastic. Um, but it, it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a growing demand to know more about not just windows and stained glass, but other parts of your home. So sure. Particular masonry is is one that could be a great do it yourself project, mm-hmm. um, but you know depending on the demand that it could vary how often I would do a workshop. Sure, and that does that help supplement on top of all the other work that you're doing? Or? It can, but mm-hmm. it's it's really more about paying it forward and sure. spreading the information and knowledge and letting people know that you know there are ways to fix parts of your old house that we might consider to just be only replaceable sure. instead of repairable. You know, walk us through, if you can, if you, those of you out there are maybe visualists from just hearing things, <laughs> to walk us through like a, a, a typical scenario of somebody's looking to refinish something, like walk us through a kind of visual process, if you, if you can, on what would take to do like, you know, one window, not even stained glass, but a window, like the process sure. involved. Sure. So what I would, would advise is, you know, Get right in front of the window and see, is it is it painted shut? That's mm-hmm. one of the most common problems with an original old window is it's painted shut. Do you have ropes or are they have they been cut or are they covered in so much paint you sure. can't move them? Mm-hmm. Do you have broken glass? Mm-hmm. You know, do you have bare wood? Is it gray? Mm-hmm. Is it soft? Can you stick your finger through it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how bad is it? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the um, more aesthetic, cosmetic parts of an old window that mm-hmm just look terrible sure really don't mean what's underneath it isn't still in good shape sure so i would say you know operability is big Mm -hmm. Uh, looking for any existing weather stripping as it's getting colder Mm -hmm. we're probably all thinking about you know our upcoming heat bills and and what we can do to to save some money on that and there are ways that you can yourself you know seal up your windows for the winter but also have them so that they can be opened again in the spring sure I'm 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 sure that people if they're dealing with older windows that might be single pane and often they are you know look into the option of like either interior or exterior storms and screens if they so can do that too. When you're looking at the window and you want, you know, and a homeowner is looking to try to actually remove it for repair work, you know, based on the seal and or the trim work around it, 
like if they're trying to do as little damage as possible? Like what are some of the tools that you use in order to work on the windows? Well, a lot of the essential tools are very simple, Mm -hmm. inexpensive, and easy to find. Mm -hmm. So things like a a nice sharp utility knife Mm -hmm. to, as I think you mentioned, break the paint Mm -hmm. seal so Mm -hmm. you can remove what we call the interior stop, which is a piece of wood that runs up and down the sides of your jams that allow you to remove the sashes. Uh, That will help you, as well as uh, just a very simple five-in-one tool, which is a kind of a funky-shaped putty knife, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, good hammer, Mm -hmm. and a thin pry bar to get those nails out. And, um, you know, you might be able to get all that for under $40 at your local hardware store and start tinkering like I did. (laughs) And there you go. And there it is. (laughs) Because if you think, you know... There is, as far as, you know, basic window uh, sizes go out there, there's no standard size people. (laughs) Everything varies. But I know when it comes to, if you dismantle what you're going to do to put an an individual window together. So as you're saying, the tools itself is, you know, more or less a one-time expense of something like under $40, $50. But then when you're looking at the wood itself, whether or not you have to, you know, replace the wood, what kind of wood you're going to use. And then the kind of window pane that you're choosing on using. Do you have like, you know, ball, ballpark ranges of, of pricing, you know, that you've worked on? I get that question yeah. a lot. Yeah. And what I say is I just, I have to see it. Sure. Um, whenever I give a ballpark, it's, it can vary mm-hmm. once I actually see it. Mm-hmm. But in general, in the window restoration business, what we say is it looks worse than it actually is. <laughs> and it's very repairable. Yeah. Although I, I will say, you know, there definitely are some times where you just have to replace it. Sure. But there are some modern technologies we have, like mm-hmm. wood epoxies mm-hmm. and um, wood hardeners that can handle the the repairs of some pretty damaged wood that might otherwise be replaced. Sure. Because I know, I mean, some people are easily swayed by newer being better and you have to really be careful on the kind of product that you're looking to you know replace it with not to mention doing a lot of work in historic neighborhoods they might have uh, guidelines as to what you can actually use for that kind of replacement or repair so you know you might be restricted to work with original windows or worse yet if you have to replace it with new they have to be wood and we all mm-hmm. know that replacing with brand new wood windows is going to be a lot more expensive if that's required so it's important to do enough of your homework and again having the resources of the organizations that you're a member of and uh, you know you as an individual would definitely be an asset for people to find that out um when you started growing the people that you started to train, how hard was it to find people that were like-minded as you, you know, to really stick with um, the skill that you, you know, of course taught them, I would imagine, right? It did take some time. Mm -hmm. And I was very, I'm very lucky in that the people I have Mm -hmm. all somehow kind of just came to me Mm -hmm. through either work that I had done or knew me and saw the work I was doing and were like, you know, I, I really hate my office job. Mm-hmm. You know, can I come work with you? And I said, yes, you know, well, come over. Sure. And they're still here. Mm-hmm. So at this point now where I'm looking to maybe add some more people that that is, you know, in the forefront and sure. it is a major challenge to find, find people to do the work. Yeah. Um, as, as we've said, there's, 
you know, not really a window restoration restoration school right. you can go to. So everybody does go through different training, uh, different steps of the process. Yeah. And at this point, I'm still training everybody. Yeah. So the challenges, you know, th- they're not horrible, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, having a preservation mind is, is almost a, a requirement and, yeah. 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 A- and that too. Yeah. 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 So what the people that I've, you know, that I know who are in preservation trades say is, you know, we do it because we love the buildings and we love working with our hands. It's not necessarily to, to make a lot of money doing sure. it, sure. but it's that, you know, respect for the past mm-hmm. and preserving it for the future too. Um, and another thing I thought was really important <clears throat> that I love, um, Paying homage to is the fact that you're you are a woman doing this and and a young woman at that in a relatively um, I don't I don't think it's a very open you know big field where a lot of people are doing it and I bet those that are are more male than they are female so how do you come you know do you find it to be I mean it's not really competitive is it I mean it depends where you are yeah. so so you are right and there's mm-hmm. definitely more men doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, if you think of it, in, it's, there's kind of two worlds in, in the trades yeah. or in, in my world. There's mm-hmm. new construction mm-hmm. and there's preservation trades work. So in new construction, there's a very small percentage of women in the trades. Yeah. And the, the last one statistic I looked at said 9% of women are in the trades, which is just very, very low, you know, so you wonder, you know, why is that? And then on the other hand, in preservation trades, just in the field of window restoration, nationally, there's about 24% just women-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. So you can see there's a a difference right there. And like I said, it's it's just a difference of approach Mm -hmm. and where you're coming from. But in general, window restoration has seen an increase in business just throughout the country. Sure. And it really represents a trend in how we view historic buildings mm-hmm. and what we want to do mm-hmm. every day. You right. know? So it's really great to see that there's more people doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's people all over the world doing it, too. Right. So the stained glass restoration aspect, you know, where there's people have been doing that for a while. There's mm-hmm. it's considered a dying art but mm-hmm. we're, we're carrying it on yeah. but window restoration itself is more of a it's a newer field of work so it's a combination of some traditional trades especially carpentry or the sure. steel windows welding mm-hmm. but also the roles of glazing and painting mm-hmm. and they're kind of you know they're mashed up into this window restoration world and um you know it's kind of in its own right paving its own way as an option to replacement. So mm-hmm. as far as women go, um, you know, it, it's, it can be tough yeah. and you got to have a good sense of humor and thick skin, but sure. having that support of other women owned businesses and, you know, men too, you know, sure, my, sure. all of my mentors have been men, Yeah, but uh, having that support along with the preservation groups is really, you know, very, I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. In a given, say, month's time frame, what do you find is the workload that you have as far as various projects? I'm sure it changes like day by day. But, you know, what do you like to set up as, you know, to keep yourself 
and those that you're now training to work with you, you know, in line to keep things moving? Well, you're right. It Mm -hmm. it does vary a lot. So Mm -hmm. generally we try and keep a steady flow in our shop and in on-site work. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's very important that each person who's working knows the different steps of the process Mm -hmm. because they depend on each other so much. So from top to bottom, start to finish, um, everybody gets training in that. Mm -hmm. And then it usually makes itself clear what part of it that person might prefer or they just take to it better. So um, there may be people on site removing Mm -hmm. and installing windows, doing Mm -hmm. some sill repairs or on site glass replacement and some of the work that would need some more work mm-hmm. on it would come back to the shop. Sure. So there's a constant rotation going on, and, and it is a challenge to keep that flow. Mm-hmm. But um, depending on what we're doing, you know, we're looking at doing larger projects mm-hmm. as, as we grow more. And that can range from five windows that need a ton of work sure. or 30 windows that just need some reglazing. Right. You know, I, there where I live on the east side, there's a small... Um, a hardware store that kind of prides itself on being like a community hardware store and they, in their back room, you know, they can cut glass and all that stuff. Do you find that you are going out for those kind of businesses to let them know, Hey, if people come in here and they're having issues, you know, that's a good way that you can spring on new business. Sure. And mm-hmm. early on I was doing that and, mm-hmm. and it just naturally happens as you're seeking out materials yeah. and, you, know, you can build relationships with local vendors in that way. And by the way, that's a, another great side effect of mm-hmm. window restoration and stained glass restoration is that you're supporting other local vendors sure. too. So, so in that way, yes, there, mm-hmm. there is some you know, community sharing in, in, involved in that. Yeah. Um, and as far as the space that you have, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you're looking at the potential expansion. So potentially bring in more people as well as requiring more space for this work. Where's your space now and what kind of, you know, what are you working with size wise in, in, you know, in your workshop? Sure. Sure. Right now I'm located as many of our listeners may know the Detroit architectural salvage warehouse. I'm in a building next door to them Mm -hmm. and I started out with about, Maybe 1,200 square feet, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at about doubling that Great. to kind of expand and separate some of our operations to make a, a safe work environment as we expand. So it's very important to me to um, have that set up before we bring too many more people in, just so, you know, because we're working around some you know, delicate but also slightly toxic things. Sure. And, um, you know, having, a, having that safe space is just of utmost importance. Well, and then, again, another point to bring on, as you're seeing this growth, um, I'm happy to say that you're actually a finalist for uh, further recognition. And is that a grant? Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very honored to be a finalist for the Any Ideas grant. Okay. In the, the, it's a $10,000 award. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually applied for it last year, D- didn't get it, mm-hmm. but was strongly encouraged by the, the group New Economy Initiative to, to reapply. And uh, through that, I made it through the process again this year and really hoping that that will come through and allow us to to do the shop expansion. Fantastic. And that's what that money would assist with is getting a different space. Absolutely. Do you you have things lined up already that you can possibly move to? Are you looking at possible spaces or is it going to stay in your existing location? Yeah, the the improvements would be portable 
Got it. Um, okay. Even though they nice. hope to not have to move them soon. Um, like but, a window truck, not a food truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, always looking for... You know, maybe a permanent location somewhere. I might be able to help with that. That would be great. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just just taking it slow and steady. Yeah. Well, I'm so pleased. And again, it's I feel I'm honored to have you on because I we met actually when you were looking for a place in the city. I don't know, quite a few years ago, maybe. That's right. And it's just fantastic to see where your business has grown because I believe then you were just starting out, and I think one of the poignant projects that you got to work on was the restoration of the Gar building, which if anybody's had the opportunity, weren't you working on that in their windows? No, unfortunately. Oh, no, excuse me, the Sherbrooke. It's a beautiful building. But you did work yeah. on the Sherbrooke windows. That's correct. Yes, in Midtown. So if any of you have the chance to check out, it's at the corner of 2nd and Hancock, right? That's correct. Um, beautiful building that was restored and is now newer apartments in the Midtown district. So you, if you look at those windows, you got to say thank you to, for, to Andrea for those lovely windows. And everybody else who worked on <laughs> it, thank you course. very much, too. Yes. Yep. <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, I'm hoping in the future we'll have you back on the show so you can talk more about um, how things are progressing for you and how things are working in the city. And I, I found that you know, bringing you on is very poignant with kind of my focus on on the whole lifestyle of you know living in Detroit, Metro Detroit. And there's so many aspects um, when you're choosing where you want to be that can make that determination for you. You know, like, are you in the direction of looking for an historic home? You know, do you want a newer condo? You looking for new construction? You know, are you looking for an apartment? And there's so many different facets of, of that whole lifestyle that I think are so important to bring out to people and let them know what they actually have access to. So I thank you for, you know, opening up a part of that on our show today. Thank you for having me. Yes. And before we say goodbye, of course, I have to talk real estate a little bit and um, have to bring to light some of the fabulous um, projects that I'm working on still. Um, we're in the final stages of units at the Park Shelton. Um, and I've got a couple of really spectacular resale units on the market now. A fabulous studio um, that's priced on the market for $159 and a steal of a deal two-bedroom, two-bath unit. Um, that's priced at 180, or excuse me, 289, scratch at 289. And it's a steal of a deal. It needs a little bit of work, but has an amazing uh, potential to have the address of the Park Shelton, as well as um, units that have been nicely refurbished, um, unit 404 and 410. All of these listings can be found on my website on realtor.com. Um, Zillow. So if you're interested in finding a condo downtown, please contact me. Um, I did also want to bring to point, I have a really fabulous uh, new listing that um, come close, comes close to my heart um, being um, the listing agent of it. It's a spectacular two-bedroom, two-bath unit at 1300 Lafayette that has spectacular views. Um, it's close to my heart because a very dear person that um, was actually responsible for my getting into the real estate um was the owner of this unit and it's an honor to know the family let alone be connected to its listing so it's got some spectacular views um it's listed at 179 um but it's a rarity of its view in 1300 um looking north as well as with a fabulous Detroit skyline view. 
um, in addition to having in-unit washer and dryer, which is now you can't do that anymore in the building. So it's pretty spectacular to have those conveniences there. But if you hadn't had a chance to take a look at the building, it is a spectacular cooperative um, with several amenities, um, on-site workout room, fabulous pool when it gets warm again. I could actually jump in the water not too many days ago. But um, that would be spectacular. Also have um, some remaining rentals for those of you out there that are looking for for rentals, I've got some great two-bedroom, one-baths that are priced um, just under $1,050 um, that are available at 120 Seward and New Center. So as you're seeing prices go up in Midtown, you should look at New Center people. Um, but that's that's what I have for now. Um, I'm very excited as we're going into the fourth quarter of 2016 to have some great, spectacular things planned for the whole year of 2017 because it will be my 20th year in real estate. Can you believe it? I don't. Um, so new website coming, uh, some great new products. Hopefully we'll bring in some live video with these podcasts here so you can actually see what I look at, like with a headset on. Um, and uh, some fabulous new properties that I already have slated that will be coming online in 2017. So thank you once again. Um, if you need to reach me, again, Facebook, LizInDetroit.com. Twitter, LizInDetroit. Uh, website, www.LizInDetroit.com, as well as please call 313-617-2699. Thank you and talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.